Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 213 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. I am Jacob Maricou. Jacob, Puxitani Phil saw his shadow six more weeks of winter. Stupid Dunkirk hey, Dave did too, man. So Did he? Yeah, he did. They both he doesn't saw count, though. I only count Puxitani. Look, look at my pin. That's him. I bought that when I met him last year. I had no idea he was into uh, so such a colorful array. There. Yes. I met the Puxatani Phil, and he's adorable. Were you sure it was Puxatani Phil, that it wasn't like Puxatani Bill? And they were no. Just like, he's the traveling one? It was the man. He also has a wife named Phyllis. That, that, that tracks. They didn't, they didn't reach too hard for that one. But, you know, over the past 10 years, he has gotten his predictions right. 40% of the time. Well, that's a, that's a Hall of Fame batting average, I suppose. <laughs> it's worse than a coin toss. People wonder, why are we in the situation we are in modern America? <laughs> We're still listening to a rodent about where, when winter's going to end. But he's a cute round boy, and I am I support it. I uh, hope he's around forever. I like that movie, Groundhog Day, much as the next guy, but God, every year when they play that back-to-back on AMC all day, it just it makes you want to kill yourself. The little library that they have... For the groundhog, it's like a gift shop is also covered with oh, I'm groundhog not, I'm day not surprised. <laughs> memorabilia. God, you know, you know who's got to hate that the most is Bill Murray. He has to think about the movie that ruined his friendship with his friend, and he has to see, see it every single day. And They made amends on his deathbed. Well, that's kind of like asking hey. for forgiveness on your deathbed. It's <laughs> hey. like, well, that's okay, nice. a little late in the day, but all right. Uh, but I love the groundhog. And anyway, I'd rather talk about that than the Chinese spy balloon that they just found above Montana. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested why you would pick Montana. Are they trying to find out? They want to know how they how they get those horses so good. That's all. It's like we need to start learning how to do a Kevin Costner impression. It seems how you get to the heart of America. Uh, I'm running for governor. We're gonna. I just feel really left out that I'm the only person who doesn't like that show. Never mind how my daughter's a ginger, and I am obviously not. Nor was my wife. It's not important. This, you have to watch Yellowstone I, I, to get I, these hot intakes. I here. watch Yellowstone. I'm kind of liking where it's heading. I'm liking that it's ending soon. I think that's the right move. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But most importantly, of interesting things that happened this week that we are recording is that last night for us, um, a green comet swung by Earth for the first time in 50,000 years, the last time it passed by. That was during the Stone Age, and it probably I'm, scared the bejesus out of some Neanderthals. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure that had nothing to do with why there's no more Neanderthals around. Like, I'm, I'm sure there was no bad omen going for a 50,000-year-old comet. I was kind of hoping that the zombie apocalypse was going to start last night. Who would want that? Hmm. <laughs> it's not even that close. I mean, really, like, even though you could see with the naked eye, it was still more than 100 times the moon's distance away from Earth. Well, I mean, that's good at least. It's not coming anywhere near us. So. Yes, that is, and I it's the same one that they saw. Like it just took a really long route to. Uh, it went to like the outer reaches of the solar system, and now it's swinging by again. So that's kind of cool. I will say that it didn't do its, uh, its the parsecs. It didn't do it in the smallest amount of uh, parsecs apparently. Parsecs? That's a Star Wars reference. Oh, I don't. I mean, I watch Star Wars, but I don't you know. But if you were looking for it, if you were looking for this faint green smudge near the um, star Polaris, as I was. I drove 50 minutes down south to get a better sky. We had a telescope. We had binoculars. It was freezing cold, and I didn't see 
anything. You know, you could have just asked to go onto my, you know, 50 acres. I had a barn set up. You could have looked at it from inside. I don't think I would have saw it there either. I could see a perfectly clear sky. We saw the stars. We saw the Big Dipper. We saw the moon. Everything looked great. So I was like, where it at? I, I went out looking for it as well, and then I stepped outside for three and a half seconds, and I was like, nope, and I turned right back It was around. too cloudy in Buffalo to see anything. Well, cold and too cold. It I was went so cold. flying around and windy. And I was outside for like an hour, and I was like, this is the worst. No, I mean, it was no cooler thanks. anyway last time the comet came around because there were rhinoceros-sized wombats living in Australia back then. That's I mean, just a cooler time yeah. to be alive. I mean, now they're only the size of warthogs. So yeah. I mean, what are you going to do with that? Boring. Yeah. But the Green Comet did inspire us for today's episode because for as long as I have been around, the film industry has been obsessed with outer space. It's, it's one of their big things, man. Their first movie was when, when that rocket ran into the moon. 100%. Even before men walked on the moon. I think that was like, um, like Stanley, 1902 Stanley or something. Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick directed. <laughs> yeah, that's st- a stupid thing. Um, but nowadays, the best movies about space travel really push the boundaries of special effects for sure. Um, and human imagination, and I think that's why people love them so much, because they're kind of always awe-inspiring. Oh, always. I mean, the the next big thing in uh, our favorite actor Tom Cruise's resume is he's filming a movie partially in outer space. That's yeah, a, that is. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, can we just drop me from space and then land with a parachute? It's they're like, I don't know, Tom, the insurance on this is bananas. I can't believe anybody's still insuring that. If anything happens to Tom Cruise, that's a wrap on everything, so I wouldn't want to, I'm not signing. That. It's really true. But I think everyone is kind of a fan. It's the, like the infinite vastness. It's kind yeah. of like that blank canvas. So you can ponder all sorts of ideas of what is out there, where are places inside of that void. Um, I think people are kind of drawn to the fear of the ultimate unknown. Uh, yeah, so that's why I think like space movies kind of deserve their own genre. I mean, many science fiction movies are set in space, but not all movies about space are necessarily science fiction. That's true. That's true. Like, some of it's got a little more, I don't want to say realism to them, but some of them, you know, some have actually happened or they're on biopics or... Absolutely. Um, So if this green comet has uh, your interest peaked there, or just in the next time you're in the need of a little escape from the issues that plague this world, and you're like, I need to look outwards. Basically, just pick one, and there's there's plenty of them to go along. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of our favorite space movies. You're dang right we are. We sure are. We're taking people on adventures. You don't even have to leave your couch. Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, mean, first of all, who wants to do that? I mean, it's it's like space outside right now, so you definitely don't want to be stepping out there at all. It is as cold as space outside right now. That is accurate. So I'm going to start with one of my favorites, and I think yours too. I'm almost positive here. But Interstellar. Oh, yes. I do. I actually watched that like two weeks ago again. Oh, did you? I think I finally understand what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is an outer space kind of survivalist epic. It was created by the director Christopher Nolan and then his brother Jonathan, who he uh, he co-wrote the screenplay with. Of course, Christopher Nolan, known for uh, Following and Memento, his two biggest movies of all time. <laughs> God, I love Memento, but you're funny. Um, okay, so in this film, we have in Earth's future, a global crop blight in like a second dust bowl are slowly rendering the planet uninhabitable. Which a plot point I. I missed the first time somehow. About I missed that movie. That I, it definitely that. takes multiple watches. So we have Professor Brand, that is Michael Kine. Um, he's a brilliant NASA um, physicist, and he's working on plans to save mankind by transporting Earth's population to a whole new home via 
a wormhole. But first, Brand must send this former NASA pilot, Cooper, who's played by Matthew McConaughey, and a team of researchers through the wormhole and across the galaxy to find out which of these three planets could be mankind's new home. So Cooper and his crew, including Brand's daughter, um, which is played by Anne Hathaway, are to retrace the flights of three astronauts who a decade earlier were sent to those three planets um, that they thought were maybe capable of sustaining human life. And the question is, are those explorers alive? What did they find? Is the whole Can we thing, move the people through the wormhole? Is the thing is the whole endeavor kind of pointless for the people that are alive right now? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, and even if the I mean, even if you're hearing that description, you're like, what? Because the intellectual reach somewhat exceeds its grasp in this True. film. It is still a really thrilling, thought-provoking, and just visually delicious There's a lot film. of cool-looking stuff in that movie, man. And a lot of, like, the science isn't junk science. Like, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. He's actually putting... He's, like, James Cameron it up when it comes There's to like the research. There's, like, a whole book out about just the science in this film, <laughs> which is amazing. And, and the fact that it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's legit, man. Like, a lot of the theories and stuff they say about, like, uh, time dilation and stuff, that's all, like, legit... He did his homework for sure, there's, which is there's great. There's some fourth dimensional stuff going on, which explains some other things that we're not going to get into because we don't want to spoil a 10-year-old movie for you. I know. But it's pr- probably kind of like the best renderings of space travel and scientifically backed since like Space Odyssey, since yeah. that's the one that everyone always comes back to. But I really feel that it is kind of impossible not to be floored by interstellar's cosmic imagery and if you've never seen it, you should definitely check that one out. Oh, absolutely. Just just a great movie all around. And a lot of good performances in there. It's I'm planning a space film weekend. I'll tell you after what my films are going to be that I want to watch Ooh, all in a row. I'm excited it's to hear fun, about right? that. I mean, most of them are on my list, so it's not much of a secret, actually. So I guess we'll find out as the episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll just go down and try to make a good guess and see <laughs> yeah. what order you're going to watch them. Okay, what do you have? All right, so I'm going to go a little on the lesser known side here. So the Star Trek series, obviously, that like one of the big star, the yeah. the space um, faring ones. Um, but I want to give a shout out to Star Trek Beyond, the third in the Chris Pine uh, new Star Trek series. I don't know how I've never seen those. I will you at some point. Really should. That's, I've heard they're great. That's the thing. Like they're actually pretty good. All three of them. The third one is like the one that kind of killed the series for a long time. They keep talking about bringing it back. I don't think they will. Um, but. It's actually a very good, just on its own Star Trek movie, which okay. is pretty awesome. Do I need a lot of Star Trek backstory, or no? I can just go into these as a newbie. No, yeah, you can go in as a newbie. You okay. know who uh, Spock and Kirk, yes. everybody. As long as you know who they all are, you'll you'll be fine. You okay. won't have a problem there. Um, so this movie is basically it's a continuation. They're in space, going on their uh, five year journey or ten year journey. I forget which one. Um, mm. And it gets sucked in next to this planet um, where this villain basically, the people that are on that planet can help like live forever and grow old, but they also kind of mutate while they're doing it. So they need they kind of suck in the Enterprise to try to get away for them to get off of the planet. Oh, okay. And there's some connection that they have with another like famous Federation ship that went missing like hundred like a hundred years ago and. What makes this film so good is, A, the makeup effects are just fantastic. They don't really use much CGI on the crew oh, members. Oh, I love that. Um, they have the one cast member who's head-to-toe makeup the entire movie, and it just works out flawlessly. Um, the cast itself has that great interplay going on. 
Um, it's a little weird with Anton Yelchin being in this movie because this oh, was his God, final. I, you know, like, I loved role. him so much. I know, and it's depressing because they had to cut him from part of the movie because he, you know, died halfway through filming. So That's so terrible. Um, but you know, this, the all star cast here we have Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto's in here, Simon Pegg, Zoe Saldana's in here. So they're basically just they're up and down stacked when it comes to that. Um, Carl Urban, how could I forget about my favorite sci-fi actors out there today? <laughs> um, it's directed by Justin Lin, who did a couple of the Fast and Furious movies, so you okay. know it's going to look fantastic. It's just a very good space drama action movie, and nobody went to go see it, which is depressing. You should go see it just for that poor guy that probably had like nine hours of makeup every day to film this movie. Oh, yeah, poor lady, actually. <laughs> oh, it was a lady? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I feel bad for it because it is some <laughs> yeah, serious, sure. like, not screwing around makeup here there's hair pieces there's like skin paint oof okay um but yeah it's a pretty great uh, sci-fi drama go check it out everyone it's worth it i would i would like to watch all of them i'm putting it on my list jacob you're always motivating me that's what i do man. okay here for. <laughs> the next film and forgive me if i talk about it a lot but i feel like it's one that a lot of people skipped they were like looks boring don't want to see it mm. and i really love it and that is ad astra oh i love that movie dude yes okay which in latin means to the stars. Are you not inspired? That was a movie that I actually thought it was going to be dumb I and also thought I it was. It. And, and I was like, I'm still going to watch it. That first scene, you're like, oh boy, never you, mind. You're in it. So the premise of this is that 30 years ago, we have Clifford McBride, who's played by Tommy Lee Jones, and he led a voyage into deep space, but the ship and the crew were never heard from again. Now his son, Brad Pitt, is a fearless astronaut, and he must embark on a daring mission to Neptune to uncover the truth about his missing father and this mysterious power surge that is like threatening the stability of the universe. So for all these years, Roy, that's a Brad Pitt, he believed that his father was dead and now he may not only be alive, but he might be behind this weird power surge, this kind of attack on Earth. So he sent to Mars to communicate with his father and you know, like, what's up, pops? What are you doing out there, man? Yeah, like, what is your interstellar location, please? And why are you trying to attack the Earth? So, there have been numerous sci-fi films about people who have to go to the reaches of space to find truth with themselves, yada yada. But none of them are quite like Ad Astra. I oh feel. no, it's such a yeah. Go ahead. It's well, it's it's thematically dense. Like, first yeah, there's of a all. lot going on. In there's this a movie. lot going on, but it is visually beautiful. And I understand that this film may not work for people who are seeking more of like the action adventure thrill ride kind of space film. Yeah, there's no like space battles. There's no like phasers going off here. Anyway. Correct. But it works wonders below the surface. It serves as like a real examination of masculinity. There is a commentary on how we become our fathers. Um, it can also be read as like a search for an absent God. Like it gets really, really deep. It gets really nihilistic at the end of this movie too. Like there's a lot of like, like alone and alone and like what's the point? Yes. Is, is it all random? Is there any anything going on? It's actually really interesting as it goes on. It's really rare nuanced storytelling and it is anchored by one of Brad Pitt's career best performances and then remarkable um, technical elements on every level. I have a hard time with Brad Pitt movies nowadays with only seeing him as Brad Pitt. Yeah. This role, he 
he falls into, and I'm really into it. I'm not distracted by his celebrity. Which is, like you said, is almost impossible to do when it comes to Brad Pitt movies. They're just, they're just impossible. When you look at the guy, you're like, oh, it's Brad Pitt doing something. That's why you think Clooney doesn't really do movies anymore, because he kind of knows I'm falling the same thing here. He really does fall in the same thing. And just uh, mentioned, because we talked about Interstellar, this Ad Astra has such a mesmerizing visual palette, and that's because of the cinematography of Hoyt Van Hoytima, um, who did the work on Interstellar also. Oh, well, there you go. And it really balances, like, there's extreme close-ups of these masked space travelers, but then you get that vastness of space. And one of my favorites is the score of this film is done by Max Richer. Um, I am a huge fan of him. He, You saw The Leftovers, right? I did, yes. He did all the music in that, like, their creepy intro song. Oh, I, I love that intro song. He's dude. really great. He's one of my favorite composers. So I just want to say, as a final note, be patient with this film. Invest in it. The destination is worth the journey. Yeah, the last half hour, man, that was that was some good some good philosophical stuff going on there. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm all in on that, and I could see myself being on either side of that discussion, <laughs> like that's going on near the end. Absolutely, and I love that in films too. Uh, all right, what else we got? <laughs> uh, you know what? You got me thinking about it again. Uh, I'm gonna go with a the old Disney classic, The Black Hole, one of their lesser known the uh, movies. Talk yeah. about it. I have to see if I remember. So it stars uh, the big name in is Maximilian Schnell, possibly. <laughs> The greatest name in actor (laughs) in movie history. Um, So this group uh, is on a spaceship. They are going through and they're going. It's basically there's a ship that they find on the edge of a black hole Mm -hmm. and it went missing. And they're trying to figure out exactly what went down with this ship. So they are going to intercept it. And when they get there, they board it and they meet the eccentric captain who was played by Schnell. And they're trying to figure out what happened. What happened to all the crew? Why are you just sitting on the edge of the black hole? What exactly is going on with this whole scenario here? Uh, and as they're going, it kind of gets the idea of, like, it's just one of these Disney movies where it one, it was one of those, like, ones that they did when they were trying to go, like, dark Disney phase. Okay. Is it this? Is this That's it? That's the I'm one, like, yes. Okay. I never saw that. Um, so it's like in their dark Disney phase where it's not the happy-go-lucky Disney kind of movies. This one's got some darkness to it. It's not a happy ending. There's not good stuff going on in this movie. It's not like it's we're going here, we're going to see some happy aliens and all that. It's not at all what this movie is about. Were Fox and the Hounding it? Where you just sob as a child? <laughs> Well, that and you kind of like it's another one kind of like Interstellar when they start go like screwing around with black holes. You're like, Mm -hmm. what's on the other side? What is actually all this about? Is it really a doorway to another dimension? Is it like a gateway through time? There's a good portion of this movie that is spent with just the actors talking about what this whole thing is, what black holes are and what we should be doing with them. And because it's a Disney movie, they also like push in some cute little robots to go along (laughs) with some killer robots. Um, (laughs) We need that. But this is like, along with like the Black Cauldron, these were a kind, or Dark Cauldron, I forget exactly yeah, what the title I, was. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, though. Um, this is when Disney was trying to go in slightly more adult fare, and nobody liked it, but I don't understand why, because I like a lot of the stuff they did here. And this is one of the ones yeah. that got lost, and it's actually a really good representation of like black holes and I stuff I wonder like if the general. library owns this. I'll check after. If not, I'll try to order it, but this one is just screaming out of print to me. <laughs> we can go on. Luckily, you can go on. Disney Plus and check it out today. I think I might actually do that later. Now that I'm thinking about it again, I haven't seen that movie in in a while, but it was one of those ones 
I was actually, I saw it on like Fox at like two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. And if I actually sit down and watch an entire one of those movies that wasn't like Predator or The Thing, <laughs> you know that it was definitely, you know. <laughs> it was definitely something good. So go check it out. It everyone. definitely spoke to Jacob. And just the 70s, the size of the 70s hair. Nobody <laughs> in these movies ever heard of conditioner and it shows, man. I love it. There's just some dry, <laughs> dry hair looking for moisture. That's what a what an insight. Um, okay, another wonderful film. These are so many of my favorite movies. Um, is Denis Villeneuve's Arrival? Oh, another great one. Mm, so many good ones. I'm gonna have such Amy Adams in there. Packed week. I know you love you some Amy Adams. So we have linguistics professor Louise Banks, as Jacob's girlfriend Amy Adams, mm-hmm. um, leads an elite team of investigators when gigantic spaceships touch down in twelve locations around the world. So. These nations are kind of teetering on the verge of global war. Like, should we blow these up? What's about to happen? But Banks and her crew, including Jeremy Renner, get well soon, um, must race against time to find a way to communicate with these extraterrestrial visitors. And they're hoping to unravel this mystery. She takes this chance. I don't want to give too much, but it could threaten her life and quite possibly all of mankind. Just a little thing like that. Um, and while it is a space film, and while the aliens are dope, yeah, they're really cool looking. They're in this really one. cool because they're not your typical what people have always been doing with aliens. This film is kind of more about grief and time and communication and mm-hmm. compassion, and speech, language, pathology. Absolutely, it's a film that asks questions, um, which I think we both are really drawn to in films. Like, how do we approach? What terrifies us? Why is it important to communicate through language and not action? It's all it, the whole language stuff is really cool in this movie. They spend a good amount of time. Like, how would you? Her learn job languages? is like impossible. I'm no. always fascinated with people who study language and do things like that because you're like, to me, she is reading coffee cup rings and uh, making sense of it. I like to think of myself as a smart person, but like when she starts getting into the theory of how to like decode languages and I'm like, I would just be, step up from the table like, you know what? Do what you're going to do. I, I don't mean, I don't even want to try to understand. I don't get it. I mean, 100%. I don't want to spoil anything, but as Jacob said, this is a movie that is designed to simultaneously challenge viewers um, and move them and get them talking. So movie, I think it succeeds in all of that. The movie is also designed, you can watch it forwards or backwards, and it tells a story. It tells a full story. Dang, which is, I never thought of it. Yeah, the director said that, and he's like, it's very interesting. Like, once you watch it, you can watch it in either order, and the movie makes it complete sense, which is... That. I wish that it was on the other side of the disc then, so yeah. that I could. How ca- I can't watch it backwards. You, uh, yeah, you I don't have work. the capabilities. We, well, you got to try to do it in your head. See, that's another point. I mean, the ending is tough because all of movies that have some sort of time and travel-y aspect, you're always like, wait, what? But yeah. drawn to them forever as much as they torment me. Oh, that's right, everybody. There is time travel elements <laughs> abound in we're this always, We're always doing that. Um, oh, I love this. That's like my favorite episode so far. What else do you have? All right, so I got to bring up my favorite sci-fi horror movie, 1997's Event Horizon, the Paul <laughs> W.S. Anderson. Why is it a great and terrible movie? But go on. Well, it's a great and terrible movie because it's... If you've seen Event Horizon, you know. If you don't like sci-fi horror, everybody, avoid this movie at all costs. They really went out and got, like, an all-star cast in this thing, man. They got uh, Lawrence Fishburne's running around in here. Sam Neill's in here. Uh, Oh, my God. I always forget his name. He's the dude with the the British guy. He was the bad guy in The Patriot. I don't know. I'm not going to think about it, but he's in here, too. I want to say Jeremy Irons, but it is definitely not Jeremy Irons. Okay. So, basically, they, um, the space crew... uh, 
the ship called the Event Horizon went missing like 20 years ago, and they don't know what happened to it. And then all of a sudden, it just reappeared outside of Whoa. Saturn, and they're like, hey, we're going to go check out and see why this ship disappeared and why it's back and what's going on with all that. I don't ever want to be on those crews. No, no. I mean, I'm good. You guys let me know what you find. Yeah, <laughs> like they're, they're totally not going to just blow our ship up to destroy this thing as well. So they go on the ship, and wouldn't you know it, some extra possibly hell-related shenanigans start going around because they decided to screw around with jumping through black holes and going Ooh. to other dimensions mm. and stuff. Did they end up in hell? Maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll have to go wait, watch the movie to see it. Um, but there is a lot of gruesome effects in this movie. There's a lot of, like, cool... I'm going to look up what I rated it while you're talking because now I don't remember. Did I love it or did um, I hate it? <laughs> if you know Paul W. Anderson, this is the guy, like, the Resident Evil movies, the Alien versus Predator movie. Basically, you give this guy $50 million, he's going to give you a movie that's going to be fun to watch and it's going to make money and it's 60% probably going to star Mila Jovovich. I think he makes movies just for you. I, Uh-oh, I gave it two and a half stars. I, well, I hope that's out of five. Eh? It is out of five. <laughs> well, that's all right. See, okay, that, that's That fair. kind of gives you an idea. It's 50-50. Okay. Um, but yeah, this it just moves along. It's only 90 minutes. They're not, we're not doing a two-hour epic here. They know what kind of movie this is. Like, you're going to be in you're and out of here. You're going to see some gruesome stuff. I wish they released the unrated cut of this movie, which apparently has like 10 minutes more of gore that they got like an <laughs> X-rated for when they tried to release it. I was like, oh, give me more of that. Uh, Sam Neill is nuts in this movie. Lawrence Fishburne is like being all stern faced. Oh, just a good time, man. I, I I watched it recently and I had a ball watching it. So. Maybe I need to try it again. I, maybe you might have a little bit more fun. Okay. Right? You know, be like I want to get my crazy space. Sometimes, also, if I go in expecting it to not be good, I end up so much more pleasantly surprised than if yeah. I go in with high hopes. I always like when that happens. Like when you watch oh, Paddington so for the first time, you're like, this movie's gonna <gasps> suck, and you're like, it's the greatest movie of all time. Oh my god, this movie's so good. Well, I only saw Paddington mo- two. Weirdly, really, Paddington one's just as good as Paddington. I will be going back for that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> bear with bear with a, with those um, rain boots. What are you doing? Oh, it's just so cute. It's so cute. Um, okay, next. We're not going to go off on Paddington. We're, we'll be talking about it all day. We should. Um, next film, Moon. Oh, another one that's been on a lot recently. Cool. It's. Did you say it's been on a lot? Yeah, it's been. HBO's been like running it. Oh, constantly. okay. That's a great movie, man. Yes, it's a really good movie. So we have astronaut Sam Bell, played by Sam Rockwell, and he is. Um, on a three-year shift at a lunar mine, he's also accompanied by his own kind of personal hail, um, who's voiced by Kevin Spacey. I talk, don't know if that's an about, issue for talk you. Talk about a nightmare, am I right? <laughs> yeah, but his three-year shift is finally coming to an end, and he's looking forward very much to his reunion with his wife and his young daughter. Suddenly, Sam's health takes a drastic turn for the worse. He suffered these really painful headaches and hallucinations. He almost has a fatal accident. And then he meets, I don't know if this is a spoiler. I wouldn't say who he meets. I think it kind of is. Okay. So the kind of thing is, is that, is this about space madness, we'll say in a way. But the film is a really quiet gem. It embraces, like, again, that all-encompassing nature of space. Um, It kind of creates, like, a desert island movie. There's a lot of corporate greed in this movie as well. Like, Yes. A lot of ethical questions when it comes to, like, staffing and, like, genetics and all that kind of stuff. A lot of of stuff. Um, And Sam Rockwell, he's never been better. This is is some of his best acting of all time. Like, 
yeah, this is one of those movies I avoided watching for a while because I thought it was just going to be a boring space movie. I didn't mm-hmm. really know who Sam Rockwell was. I was like, okay, this guy, whatever. I'm sh- I hear he's good. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, this dude is awesome. This I can see awesome. why he's in yes. like everything. It's all, it's like a one-man show. So it, it, basically all he's doing is carrying this entire movie on his back and he does a fantastic job. I also it. like, because like I said, there's that idea where you're like, is this... Is it craziness? Is this person losing it? Are they not losing it? And then you're like, well, they have been alone for three years on the moon. So, yeah, it's a super interesting film. I feel like it, people don't talk about it a ton. Yeah, you know, we should introduce the moon and uh, High Life. They'll get those two crews together. They'll have a much better time. <laughs> like, Wait, is High Life, is that Jake Gyllenhaal or Robert Pattinson? That's our Pats. The, the, uh, I did not. The Weed in Space movie. I did not like that movie. I didn't really like it either, but it's like I thought get that, that one and the Sam Rockwell one There's together. There's the weirdest sex scene in that movie of all time. <laughs> well, you're, you're uh, just of all like, time. yeah, you're like, oh, we're not going to talk about High Life. We don't need to get into Good. it. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad because I'm still recovering from it, but we got time for more. Give us yeah. more. Go, go check out Moon, everybody. You can get some Sam Rockwell butt in that movie, if I remember correctly. So I don't even remember. Look at yeah, you. You're I, good. Well, you're you're know, my you, own Mr. Skin you here. Put a bunch of cheeks like that on screen. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. <laughs> come back. Come back for some repeat viewings. Uh, now that we mentioned Jake Gyllenhaal, we'll, we'll mention that movie up. Uh, another sci-fi horror movie, We Got Life, stars Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Ryan Reynolds. I liked Life. Surprisingly, yes. Another one that looked dumb in the trailers, and then you watch it, and you're like, all right, okay. this is pretty cool, and God, humans are dumb. <laughs> so they go and they get a uh, sample from this meteorite. They bring it onto their ship. They find out, hey, there's some cellular life on this thing. So like humans, what are we going to do? We're going to get this long dormant species that we have no idea what it is I or what mean, it's about. We're going to bring it back to life. Hubris. Yeah. And then we're going to go ahead and start trying to poke stuff and see what happens. And I'm sure it's not going to try to murder our entire planet and our spaceship I as soon as we do it. I also do not volunteer to be the poker. God, no. <laughs> what do we have drones and robots for, people? If we're going to start poking aliens and stuff, let's just get the robot to do it. Like... That's usually anytime I'm poking anything, it's like if there's an option, get the robot to do it. Yeah. This is how the this is how the Matrix and Terminator movies start. Like we have <laughs> True, we've learned a lot. Today robots robots are poking aliens, next tomorrow they're trying to blow us up. It's a nice little it's a nice little lead in. Um <laughs> I kinda lost her. Okay. <laughs> you lost, lost your thread. Lost Ryan was there. <laughs> so it's basically a survival movie because they have this whole crew on the uh space station here. This alien Busts loose, and now there's like this little starfish alien that's just running crazy on the ship. Super intelligent because every cell of its body is basically a brain cell and a muscle cell at the same time. So it's both smarter and stronger than everybody on the ship, and it wants to get out of there to try to get to the Earth. Very borrowed from Alien, but in a good way. There's a lot of alien. There's some of the thing in there with like how it's trying to take over and everything. Two perfect movies. So if you're borrowing from them, like well, well done. Can't can't go wrong there. Uh, yeah, it's a surprisingly good movie. Uh, did not see a lot of this coming. Like you don't see a lot of the twists and turns are very surprising, especially if, as it comes towards the climax. So if you never heard of it, and judging by the box office, you did not go check it out, man, because you're gonna have a lot of fun watching. What's this it called? One. Just life. Just life. Okay. Life. Uh, it's probably a James Cameron movie or something that's running around with that title, too. <laughs> probably. So get, get the one where you get Jake Gyllenhaal giving his face, like, looking all scary. It's also just it. two beautiful men in this movie. That's true. No, no problems yeah, there. I, oh, and they got Rebecca Ferguson's in there for the guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go check it out, man. Okay. This one now, one of the greatest films of all time. Let's We're going to take a moment to honor the genius of it, and that is Galaxy Quest. <laughs> oh, I, I mean... <laughs> 
It's a good Tim Allen movie. It almost feels bad to say that, but it's, it's true. It happened. Tim Allen, Alan Rickman, Sigourney Weaver, Sam Rockwell Sam pops Rockwell up again, in yeah. this. Sam Rockwell busting um, around. What's his name? Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. And that other guy who I feel bad not remembering his name. I thought it yes. was Kevin Hart for the longest time. Oh, Rain time. Wilson pops up in this movie for a second. Oh, my God. Rain He's Wilson like a is baby. in this movie. Oh okay. My, ooh, so. These, all the cast we named here, they're the stars of a 1970s sci-fi show who are now just scraping a living through reruns and sci-fi conventions. You get a real Star Trek vibe from the I, audience oh, here. They, what they're playing on. They are shoveling it on top. And then suddenly they are beamed aboard an alien spacecraft because these aliens are believing that the cast's heroic on-screen dramas are historical documents of real-life adventures. Because why not? Because why not? So they turn to these ailing celebrities for help in their quest to overcome this oppressive regime in their solar system. So they're like, hi, we see that your heroes save us. And they're just these aging, miserable actors. And it is so freaking funny i love this movie so much it is it's such a good movie and like it just works like the whole premise it just fits perfectly uh, sigourney weaver when she has to just like repeat everything and like her whole role is just like her cleavage yeah they had to put the uh i feel bad that they told everybody they had to have her wear like a fake chest throughout the entire movie oh they did yeah they had they had her wear (laughs) then they actually had her have a tell interview she had to talk about that and it's like why why are we doing that guys oh I, it's really, it's like a stupid movie, but it is genuinely funny. It is really a premise that shouldn't work. It should just be stupid, cheesy, and you just want to get out of here. And it's watchable all the way through. It's it's one of these very fun, it's set up exactly like an old 50s Star Trek episode. Yes. And it's like real life. And every trope you can think of, you're like, yeah, that's we understand that's what you're saying, but that is part of what's going on here. <laughs> Uh, just laughing, Sa- thinking about it. Sam Rockwell's nuts in this movie. Too. Now <laughs> he, imagine is, him. he is just—he is, is all—he's the comic relief, and he is leaning into it hard. The oh, Justin movie. Long is in it as a little guy. That's right, he is. Yeah, in there for there's like a lot two of seconds. there's a lot of people. It was like people's first kind of. You see Justin film. Long, and you're like, they really tried to make this guy a movie star, didn't they? Like, well, that didn't work. He's doing okay. Yeah, he's doing fine. He's popping up. He was in Barbarian. Yeah, well, that's where your career's at. Twenty years on, you're not doing great. I think he's still working. He's like, I live in well, a big house and I'm comfortable. Yeah, he's working. It's he's probably a okay. Kevin Smith movie. He's gonna cameo in. To I, would, I would pay his man. light bill this month. <laughs> uh, we're kidding. We like Justin Long here on the show. Uh, let's let's do maybe a couple more, and then we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. Well, I got to go with the ultimate sequel. Uh, the first movie that people really started to notice is James Cameron guy kind of knows what he's doing. That is going to be 1980. Sixes Aliens. You what? prefer Aliens to Alien? Oh, by a country mile. Do you? I think Alien's a little boring a lot of the time. It's oh, a, see, it I, is, it I is a really scary I prefer Alien, but I know I also love Aliens. Yeah. So th- that's just different. Like, if you like sci-fi horror, you're probably a lean Alien. If you like action um, shooters, sure. you'd be more Alien front. Aliens, I'm sorry. So... Basically, what this movie is, uh, they find Ripley, who's been floating in space for 50 years after the events of the first movie. They bring her back to Earth, and they're, you know, fire her and all this other stuff, tell her she's crazy. There's no such thing as aliens, blah, 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 blah. Rude. Uh, So then, oh, go ahead and find out uh, this horrible company just built a colony on the planet where where she found the alien eggs. And all of a sudden, they lose contact with them, and they're like- NBD. Yeah, they're like, oh, crap. There might be, we might want to go and maybe (laughs) listen to this lady. 
So basically, they take her and a group of space marines to go find out what's happening on this colony, and it turns out everybody got turned into aliens, and there's a million of them, and they don't know what to do about it. It is such a good action movie. The music in this one, the fact that it looks fantastic, all Mm -hmm. the action scenes work, the effects are fantastic. Everything that was in the first movie is basically turned up to 11 in this one with a little bit of that James Cameron flair for the uh, the dramatic, as it were. Mm-hmm. Just oh, it's such a Can I tell you what my flick. issue is? That My issue, and it starts right at the beginning and it makes it a hard film for me, is there is nothing unless they like Hannibal Lecter tied me to a chair that would bring her back. To a planet with those aliens. Like, yeah. she would not. Why would you go back? She barely lived. She had the most traumatic experience a person can have. And I'm just like, really? And you immediately go back knowing there's aliens? Like, I understand Seriously. you have this expertise, but like, come on. I, they That's the bad thing in this movie. They didn't do a good job. It's supposed to be a couple of months since she got home. Like, oh, it seems like so quick. It, it does. It seems still, like it's really fast. Like, I think like a day or two, and they're like, all right, we're going to send you I right I kind of wish out. they forced her more. Like, they were yeah. like, we will cuff you. You will go to jail for treason or something to, you know, I'm just like, why are you going, Sigourney? I like the idea of having to face your fears and to try to, like, you have to go back and face your demons in order to get past them. But it's like, nah, dude, I'm not going back to that planet. I Just to blow it up, dude. That's what you got to do. Blow it up. Like, they tell you, right, blow it up. You're not going to like what you find in there. Easy peasy. (laughs) uh, Ignore how complicated it all gets, considering Prometheus and all that are supposed to be prequels to this. I don't think they are, but they're supposed to be. Yeah, I like Prometheus though, but I, like I didn't too, like, I like the next one. I like Covenant too, but okay. like they kind of got they lost the thread of what they were doing in Prometheus. There, and then they just like don't make more, and then I get really annoyed because it's like, well, now I'm in it. You can't just like end it. Yeah, you tell me there's one more movie that you yeah, need. Like, like make on, that movie. Man. Make the movie. I don't even care. It doesn't Whatever. matter. Just make it. But come on, give really Scott. You already given him a hundred. You gave him two hundred million dollars to make a movie about the Crusades that nobody wanted. Just yeah. give him another one for this one. He's, What's the big got, deal? He got the cash. So I'm gonna as do one more. As long as he does, just don't give him any more money for any more raised by wolves, because woof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's done now. I do just want to throw out. You should see the movie Sunshine. Not a perfect film. It's a good movie. But it's a good movie. I love that it was written by the Alex Garland, who we love so much for Annihilation and Ex Machina. He also he also directed Dread, another great one. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> and it, it, it has doesn't. dazzling visuals. So we'll do that. But I. I have to mention the film Wally. I still never saw Wally. <gasps> never watched it. Haven't what? watched it yet. It's, oh, you're gonna love it. I, that's what everybody tells me that it's such a cute little movie. Oh, it's so cute. So Wally is short for Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class, and he is the last robot left on Earth. He spends all of his days tidying up the planet, which is covered in garbage, and he's picking up this garbage. Okay, but during these 700 years that he's been doing this, he has developed a personality. Um, sure. As AI will do, and he's more than a little lonely. So then he spots Eve, who is this really sleek and shapely probe that has been sent back to Earth on a scanning mission. So he is smitten, and he embarks on this great adventure where he follows Eve across the galaxy. Oh, and this movie has such a wonderful look. Um, it's like so many Pixar animated features. It finds a really great like a bright and cheerful color palette, but is not too pushy. Um, and it's There's a tiny much... bit realistic at the same time. And there's almost not a lot of dialogue in this movie for the majority of it because it's like robots and stuff. Also so. true. But it's it's also like it is a timely story, and it offers thought-provoking subtext um, 
to like the otherwise super cuteness of it. But there is like he there's something so utterly charming about him. He's like a tin can topped with binoculars. And yet it's the cutest thing ever. It is a, it is a cute design. I, <laughs> yes. will, I will admit that. We love we love Wally. Jacob's gonna watch it this weekend. I'm gonna I'm gonna hound you. No, to do I just that. might, man. I I need to knock it off my list. They're making they're making that ups like short film sequel, which I think is gonna be terrible. So oh. I might as well if I'm gonna see something on Disney Plus, I might as well watch it. Hey, you're busy. You wanna do one more? Uh, no, go ahead, knock no. out another one. If you got I don't it. have any more. That's it for me. Well, well, look at that. We got we got them all. <laughs> we man. did it. I mean, go check out like there's a bunch of um space. There's so out many. There, Basically, that got, Ryan Gosling first man. Yeah. Apollo 13. Apollo 13, yeah. So, you There's know, so all, all the so big many. name ones, you, you kind of know what they are. Star Wars, the, yeah. you know, depending on how angry you want to be, you can watch the original, the prequels, or the sequels. Yeah. Oh. I'm not worried about that. But okay, then, Jacob, why don't you plug us up? So if you are thinking about taking a space journey yourself, you know where you can start getting your rocket information and starting to learn how to build them? Right at your local library. we got 37 branches all throughout Erie County, so stop on by. Uh, tell them you're thinking about buying a, or uh, building your own spaceship. Uh, they'll tell you don't, but they'll show you where the books are to go do it. So, you know, go ahead and check that out. <laughs> also, don't forget to go to our website at www.buffalolib.org to see what kind of programs we got going on and to find out all the good stuff we got going for you at your local library. Cool. Jacob, did you know that space is completely silent? Uh, Alien actually mentioned that with the whole screaming. There is no atmosphere in space, which means that sound has no medium or way to travel to be heard. So it makes it even scarier. That's what I loved about The Expanse, and that's how you can tell good sci-fi is when they don't have, like, explosions in space. It's like, A, there shouldn't be any explosions in space, and there shouldn't be any sound. And if you can avoid doing both of those, then I know you're actually doing some good stuff here. Schooled by Jacob. A full NASA suit costs $12 million. So while the entire suit costs $12 million, 70% of that cost is for the backpack and the control module. But however, if you think about it, so the spacesuit that NASA uh, uses were built in 1974. So if these were priced by today's pricing, they would cost an estimated $150 million. We also we call that uh, in America a Khloe Kardashian. Oh, because that's how much the plastic surgery on those girls cost. That was a terrible joke. Um, the sun's mass takes up 99.86% of the solar system. Mm. Isn't that wild? I appreciate that it gave us that point one four. <laughs> one million Earths can fit inside the sun in case you just weren't sure about its size. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty big, guys. Quite large. And then the last one here. You, um, ever, you ever think about that the Earth's natural state is in the darkness and the only reason it's light is because there's a star nearby? Whoa. Yeah, think about that. Good Trippy. Luck, good luck getting to sleep, everybody. Speaking of stars, there are more stars in the universe than grains of sand on Earth. So the universe obviously extends far beyond our own galaxy, um, the Milky Way, which is why scientists can only estimate how many stars are in space, but they say that the universe contains approximately a septillion stars that is 24 zeros after the one. Mm. Like, First of all, uh, there's no way for you to know that, scientist, so shut up. You're just making <laughs> that number up. Jacob, Jacob calls Paul on this, yeah. but it's a lot. So Nonsense. I want, to see the, I want to see the math on this one, guys. Take your time. <laughs> look, Find some dark sky. Look up at them and enjoy. And thank you so much for joining us. We will catch you next time. Bye.